Hello and welcome to the Engaging People podcast. My name is Charles Rogel. I'm a senior consultant here at DecisionWise. Our presenter today is Jefferson McLean. Hey, glad to be here. Jefferson is our Director of Statistics and Research. I am constantly bugging him with questions about our survey data and other things, and he's very helpful in terms of giving me good insight in terms of employee survey results and the other data analysis we're doing with clients. Today we've got an interesting topic. We'll be doing a series of podcasts along different leadership competencies that we measure on our 360 surveys. And the one we'll be talking about today is influencing others. So Jefferson, I guess before we jump in, I want to set this up. Talk to me about kind of how we're defining that and kind of what we measure around that topic. Yeah, totally. So probably the easiest way that we could do this is go straight to the dictionary. Merriam-Webster defines influence as the power to change or affect someone or something without directly forcing those changes to happen. So one way that I really like to think about it is... If you walk outside during the middle of the day, you can see the direct sunlight coming from the sun. But if you walk out in the middle of the night and it happens to be a full moon or something, you can see the indirect light from the sun that's being reflected on the moon. And that's what we're looking for with influence is that indirect effect that you're having on someone or something to, to bring about some type of change. Excellent. And then how do we typically measure that? So we measure that on our 360s, and we tend to have kind of an angle when it, as it applies to leadership influence. Yeah, exactly. So we use four items, and the first one being communicates in a way that inspires others to change attitudes or behaviors. And that goes really along with what the definition that we just threw out, as well as makes well-reasoned persuasive arguments. That's kind of how articulate are you in your persuasion. And the other two items that we use are trying to control for things that you should not do Mm -hmm. when you're trying to influence. And that is the next item, avoids manipulation and coercion when engaging in conflict or gain support of others without relying on personal position or status. And one of the reasons why we don't want to influence through manipulation or coercion or personal position or status or rely too heavily on your status is changes happen in the organization all the time. And once that status is gone, then that influence or opportunity to influence is also gone. Yeah. That's a good point because the word influence has a lot of baggage associated with it because of those reasons. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So let's talk about the importance of influence. Why does influencing others matter as a leader? Great question. I mean, there, there's a lot of broad, general topics that we could go into, right? If, you, if you're able to influence as a leader, you're able to change the environment, hopefully in positive ways. As a leader, you often have ideas that you want to progress or maybe strategic decisions that need to go forward, but you're not necessarily the one who's going to be implementing those decisions. So you really need to help influence those who will be implementing it. You can reduce obstacles through influence, often get around office politics through it. But there's a lot of this downstream effect of influence that I don't think we really think about a lot. The fact of the matter is you're influencing people whether it's purposeful or not. At DecisionWise, we conducted a study where we took a couple thousand managers from half a dozen organizations or so. And we looked at the relationship between the manager's level of engagement or overall perceived happiness in job and their teams. And we found that when managers were engaged, we found 87% more than expected number of fully engaged direct reports. But when they're disengaged, we found 75% more than the typical number of fully disengaged direct reports. 
So there's this relationship between the manager being engaged and involved and happy and positive and their subordinates. Kind of feed off of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They, they feed off of it. But the real surprise that we found was when we took a look at the manager's manager or a director. We found that when the director was fully engaged, that there were 49% more fully engaged people on the individual contributor team than we would expect. So a skip level down, they're still influencing engagement. Yeah, 49%, that's almost half more than we would expect to find. So that's yeah. pretty big. And if that director is fully disengaged, then skip level down, we find 40% more disengaged individual contributors. Huh, interesting. Yeah, so the level of excitement, passion you have towards your job, even if you're not actively trying to influence people, still has an impact. Yeah. So it then becomes this idea that if you're going to have influence, you might as well try to be purposeful about it. Right. It might as well bring about some change or some good or some benefit to yourself, your team, the organization in general, so that people can feed off of that. Yeah. So we've been conducting employee engagement surveys for you know 26 years now. Lately, we've added some additional analysis or a section to the survey to measure or try to capture the number or identify the number of kind of influencers within an organization. We call it the organization network analysis. Do you want to explain how that works and some of the research that we're finding there? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the organization network analysis, or what I call ONA, what we're really trying to do is go in and identify the hidden influencers in an organization. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is... In any organization, you have individuals who will automatically be influential, right? Because of their position and in the organization or their hierarchical status, yeah. we, we would say. But there's an informal structure to the employees of, hey, who are you going to go to for information? Or who do you find is really motivational or who helps you with change efforts? And those are the individuals that we try to identify. And what it becomes is at the end of a survey, we've got three spheres of influence that we look at. The first being an expert. These are the individuals who usually are hubs of information, whether that's specialized information or more general information that's really vital to you or your role or the organization. They might be really good at problem solving. A lot of experience. Yeah, yeah, a lot of experience. Perhaps they've been there for a long time or perhaps they hold advanced degrees. So that expertise can come in in multiple dimensions, but it's who you go to really when you need help. Yeah. The second one is change agents. And those are individuals who, who aren't necessarily in leadership positions, but who you know have political or social credit, we'll say, in the organization to be able to pull others along. Sure. So those might be individuals who you find more often or not people go to to talk about others or to... Roll out initiatives. They, yeah. Sometimes they're involved, I think, in some of the the committees or other kind of initiatives that are going on in an organization to roll out changes. Their influence is interesting because they tend to be a little bit more maybe creative or assertive in how they're positioned, yeah. as opposed to an expert who might be more less assertive. People go to them. Mm -hmm. Change agents kind of pushing more things. Yeah, almost the concept of a social butterfly. Yeah. But with purpose. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> And the last influencer that we take a look at or, or sphere of influence that we measure is a mentors. Yeah. Those who are role models, career development, similar to experts, right? They, well, I guess they're more of a hybrid between experts and change agents, right? Sure. Because they've, they've got some expertise so that they can be a mentor. They might not necessarily go and seek out people to mentor, but they could. Mm -hmm. um, but it's often individuals who are more 
advanced in their careers, who have a little bit more life experience, and who others feel comfortable and safe going to for help and advice. Yeah. And this is interesting because as we've looked at this, and I've, and I've done this with a few organizations and looked at the breakouts, people aren't necessarily too surprised when they see the list, you know, because we're able to kind of, depending upon the number of mentions an individual gets as an expert or change agent or so on, you can see kind of the hubs uh, or how it kind of plays out in the organization. And we always say be sensitive to the workload, the amount of projects these people are on, because they can burn out pretty easily if you're not careful in kind of managing their environment. But as you're thinking as a manager as well, I I guess I look at these categories. And so think of yourself as a manager. Are you kind of an expert that people go to? Do your people rely on you for help? Are you helping to drive change in the organization? And then are you really trying to be a mentor to them as well in terms of career development? Those are all kind of ways you influence effectively in an organization. Yeah. And and one of the things to also think about, right, is, as you say, these individuals who are identified as key influencers in an organization experience burnout. Yeah. Those feelings, that emotion, it's contagious. Like we talked about earlier with managers being engaged and right. finding their direct reports being engaged. So it's really crucial that if you are an influencer or you've identified influencers in your organization, to really take care of them. And I think that management is often a place where, right, we're talking about overburden, overload. Right. How do we manage all these different tasks and responsibilities? And then what's coming to me and I want, I want, I want, I want. Uh-huh. And trying to make sure that your influence is always purposeful and positive towards what end goal you're looking for. I think it applies to the manager's team as well, because you probably have experts or change agents or people on your team and you might tend to give them more work and projects because you know they can get it done and they have the expertise, but then again, they get overburdened, workload increases, burnout. So you have to spread the load. You have to be careful, sensitive to those, those people. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's change gears a bit. We want to set this up and kind of define, talk about the different aspects. Now we want to get into what can you do as a manager to be better at being an influencer and kind of exercise some some good behaviors in this area. So what kind of research do you have for us here? So looking at an HPR article by Dr. Laker and Paddle, who are professors from the Henley School of Business, that's in the United Kingdom. They have a August 2020 HPR article where they talk about different types of influence. And at the end, they give a really good summation of things that you can do as a manager. One of them is to build report with the people you want to influence. If we go back to those four items, right, that we use to, to measure influence in our 360 assessment, two of them are directly related to what type of relationship do you have. And you really want to make sure that that relationship, before you start to influence or before you start to try to sway someone to the left or to the right, you need to build that solid foundation relationship on trust, spend lots of time asking them questions, Mm -hmm. really get to know them, make sure that they feel heard and listened to. You want to make sure that you strengthen those interpersonal connections. And one question that they suggest asking that can be really powerful especially when you're new to management, is what have your past managers done that you'd like me to do or not to do? Even just going through and finding out those individual preferences is going to automatically help someone else be like, oh, this person cares about me. They want me to succeed. They're looking for ways to make my work experience better. And that's going to help you when you go and try to influence 
you know, whether it's their day-to-day decision or, or bring about a change. Yeah, and this is important, I guess, talking to your manager, right? So managing up, how mm-hmm. do I kind of have that indirect influence? But I think it also applies across departments, like your peers that you work with. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we don't pay too much attention. We have trouble with collaboration between teams. So the more you can do to also say, hey, what can I do? You know, what do you see me in as doing in my role that can better assist you? helps to build that trust and then allow you to then have greater influence and decisions and things like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And that kind of goes really well into the next step that they bring yeah. or next suggestion, which is to become an active listener rather than a transmitter. I think it's so often so easy, especially when we're in leadership or a new collaboration effort, to walk in and to go, okay, I'm going to listen at the beginning, and then, okay, I've listened, now it's time for da 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 we're going to take care of all these things. Yeah, yeah. But what you really want to do is maybe put aside that bias and continually try to practice some active listening based off of consistent communication so that you can really understand on an ongoing basis how are they doing, what's going on, What's the water temperature of the team Mm -hmm. or the department that we're working with? And one of the crucial aspects of that active listening is you absolutely have to act on what you hear. Not just, I listen, I hear you, okay, thank you, and then you go shut the door and you're like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for no thanks. Exactly. You need to take that advice, that input that they give, and act on it. Right. And be clear on making sure that they understand, I heard you, I went and thought about it, and these two or three steps are what I do, I'm do. i doing because of that conversation. Great. And the last one that we're going to talk about is uh, that they suggest to commit to your team. And this is one that we find often in our employee experience data, right? Individuals want to make sure that they are organizations and they're on teams where they know the team and the organization is on a pathway to success. Sure. If you as an influencer do not believe you're on a pathway to success, then either you need to use that influence to get everyone on that pathway to success or perhaps abandon ship. (laughs) (laughs) But if you really want to be influential, you need to show that commitment to the team. You need to show that, hey, we're going to get through this together. I'm here. I'm committed. I'm in here for the long run, not just a passing ship in the night. And one of the ways that you can really help is to share your vision of success. You know, here's what we're doing as a team. Here's what we're doing as a department. Here is our vision for success, but also here is your specific role. Right. And here's what important part you can play in this success. And really use that opportunity to influence them to see the big picture, see their role in it, and then let them go and fulfill that role in the way that they see best. And this is a tough one, too, because sometimes managers are split. Like, there's a decision that's made. They have to go with it, right? They might not agree with it. And then they have to deliver the bad news to their team and support management, right? So they can't just undermine and throw them under the bus and saying, well, this is what the boss said. We have to do it. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, you're trying to play both sides and you're trying to do it sincerely, right? You have to do it with some integrity. 
without just saying, hey, you know, I believe in this or, or whatever. So I think it's important to be honest, but also show that, hey, this is the direction we have to go. Here's how I think we can navigate it the best. Here's how I'm trying to support you as a team. And here's the pushback I'm giving to management as well. That's an interesting situation that you bring up because it happens often. Yeah. And in the uh, academic literature, we call that a necessary evil. Sure. Something that a manager has to do, right, that's going to benefit the company and overall, right? Have to do layoffs, have to do a promotion, have to fire someone. But you're causing harm to another individual. So the great question for managers then is, well, yeah, I want to use my influence, but hey, this is an emotionally really difficult message for me to deliver. Yeah. One uh, recommendation that's come out of the academic literature to deal with those necessary evils when management hands you down, you have to enact this, there's no other way to do it, is to prior to going and talking to the individual who you have to deliver the news to. Take a moment to be by yourself, calm down your own emotions, think about it from a large perspective. But then what our research at DecisionWise has shown is if you can tie whatever that hard decision is back to the mission and goal of the organization. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, like a, hey, we're promoting so-and-so and not you because our vision is that they're way more awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't want to put it like that, but you do want to say what we're looking for here at company XYZ are leaders and managers who are going to be able to fulfill these following competencies. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And then tell them those competencies. And we decided to go with someone else and then give them a roadmap. Yeah. Of things that they can do. Once again, going back to that commitment to your team, here are things you can do to get over this slightly discomfortable, um, unfortunate situation. And then you're using your influence in the moment that's really, I would say, really impactful because those types of moments don't happen, hopefully don't happen every single day. Yeah. You don't want to <laughs> be passing down those necessary evils all the time. But if you use your influence in key moments the stickiness of it, it's going to last for a long time. Yeah. It builds trust. It ends up being a positive. Exactly. Outcome. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I, in, in all three of these, as we kind of summarize and say, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, it's about relationships and building rapport. It's about being a more active listener and then showing more commitment to your team. It differs in terms of how you influence up, down, across the organization as a manager. So you need to kind mm -hmm. of apply these principles in, in different ways. Yeah, definitely. Situation matters and context is everything when it comes to influencing. Excellent. Well, Jefferson, this has been great. Anything else you want to add as we close? You know, the only thing that I would add is that one of the key things I think that you really want to be conscious of with influence is make sure that everything you do is purposeful. Mm -hmm. Once again, going back to the idea of if I've got this negative attitude or feeling, that's just as contagious as the positive attitudes and feelings. So make sure you're influencing purposefully on what you want to. Right. Where's my mindset right now before I try to act on it? Exactly. Good point. Great. Well, Jefferson, thank you very much. Everyone else, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you join us on a future podcast.